caravan three days before the departure of the fateful Lakewall caravan. The sun glinted off the small nearby lake as the mage Efer gave her daily lecture beneath a small tree. Whisper fiddled with his knife underneath his cloak. He was paying attention, despite the nearby bustling activity of the caravan, but the smooth wooden hilt of the trusted blade felt good, reassuring. It was clear none of the other students had anything close to such a habit. It was the quality of their cloaks that gave it away. When you have a cloak that nice, the comfort of a knife close at hand is usually an unfamiliar feeling. Unlike the rest of the students, though, Whisper hadn't grown up on a nice estate or in a town that afforded some sort of schooling. That doesn't mean that he hadn't been taught lessons. When you're a thief, there are many lessons you must learn, especially if you are one of Marauder Jal's scars. Whisper had joined the scars at a young age. He had no early memory of his family and did not ask Jal about them. He remembered a cold street and warm hands. Those hands had been Jal's, picking him up out of the gutter where he was bagging. Jal gave him food, clothing, and shelter, and expected loyalty. That was it. Every scar was more than happy to deliver. The name Marauder Jal is misleading. It had been years since Jal had marauded. He was now settled in Caldale, the largest city in Lakewall. He'd done a fair amount of marauding in his early years throughout the Lower Wilds and in Lakewall itself. But in the wisdom afforded by advanced years, he'd learned that the results of marauding could be achieved in simpler fashions. Caldale was a central point for trade between all of the walls. Why go to the merchants when they could come right to you? You need loyal workers, though. And that's where the scars came in. Jal protects those he brings in fiercely. And in return, you follow instructions and help provide for the younger or feeble scars. He spent most of his days sitting now. So the income to keep his den of thieves fed and clothed came from the thieves themselves. His main contribution was his set of rules and their enforcement. These were rules that Whisper knew well. Whisper realized he was squeezing his dagger as he reflected. He loosed his grip and flexed his hand. His brain was forming a strange abyss. Darkness swirled and seemed to eat up every word. He tried to focus. Ifair was explaining the finer points of how a configuration worked. Whisper listened for a few more moments, but again found himself distracted. He wasn't unfamiliar with listening to teachers. Jal made sure every scar was educated. A smart thief is a good thief, he always said. A local priestess named Nefin, who ran a small chapel, was paid in coin and in protection to educate the scars. When you're a young scar, you spend half your time stealing and half your time learning. Most of the scars suffered through the learning so that they could get to the stealing. Whisper, however, thrived in that chapel. Not that he was bad at stealing. He practiced and became decent at sleight of hands, lockpicking, deception, but he always took any opportunity to get his hands on a few books. And that's where he got his name. The Cathedral of the Rose is a quiet building and something of an oddity for a church colony, a public archive. It houses mostly records to do with businesses, weather patterns, crop yields, and general information that traders and merchants traveling through often want access to. The church found it in their best interest to simply make these records public, though there was still a team of slate who maintained the collection. This afforded Whisper access to multiple books and the realization of their popularity. The only rules of the building was a need for complete silence in the main viewing chamber, hence Whisper's name, and that no books could leave the property of the building. Whisper actually followed both of these rules. The church and mages squirreled away almost every book they got their hands on, so, of course, the nobles and merchants of the world saw them as prestigious. Whisper figured that it was easier to steal a copy of Bellstrom's Poems and Thoughts on the Natural World than 200 pounds of potatoes, but the margins in the book were much higher. So why steal potatoes? He spent hours in the library, where wealthy patrons often discussed their collections and rare tomes. Outside of the viewing chamber, of course. Whisper asked Jal's permission to begin stealing books. Jal reminded Whisper of the rules, but gave him his blessing. They never stole from the Cathedral of the Rose, and they always targeted merchants who seemed to view books as baubles, trinkets to display. These thefts were wildly successful on two fronts. 
One, it made a lot of money. And two, this exposure fueled his initial desire. How could he get more books? And gave Bloom to an idea he'd never entertained before. How could he see the things in these books for real? Now, getting more books was extremely difficult because of Jal's most important rule and most enforced rule. Never steal from the church. Never steal from the mages. As for seeing these lands and the people he'd read about, Whisper was getting his chance now. Coincidentally, that was because of his initial desire. He'd fanned the flame too much, and without even wanting to, had broken one of Jal's most important rules. Previously, the mage Efer travels in the church's caravans to find students for the consortium. In the aftermath of Granite's party, a strange host of people are departing Lakewall, including an old professor. The professor and Efer caught up, and she told him of the bizarre girl with the uncanny memory she had found. But it would seem she did not tell him the whole truth. As the caravan progresses, Efer begins to prepare the students for their time in Eero. Chapter 2. To Steal a Book Are you listening? Whisper's head shot up. Deep stone. He'd been daydreaming. He was relieved when he noticed that Efer was not looking at him. She was staring at the girl who was sitting directly in front of the group, lounging against a tree and staring directly into the sky. Everyone was staring at her. Most were snickering. She looked like she was also daydreaming, but her eyes. There was something strange to them. They seemed so far off, but he couldn't put his finger on it. The one thing that was clear, though, was that those eyes should be looking at Efer. Tilly! She looked. <sighs> what? Whisper had to stop himself from physically recoiling. The other students stopped snickering and seemed stunned by the rude tone. Most were young, and they had been taught to speak in respectful tones to teachers and tutors their whole lives. Efer's hands clenched and her eyes twitched. Whisper was no stranger to tense standoffs like this. It often happened with the scars while Niffin was teaching a lesson. Or, in the worst case, Zhao was explaining something important. Luckily, Whisper had a special way of breaking the tension. The other scars always roared at his jokes. This was his chance. Oh, the lessons that must be written on clouds of pure white, Whisper said with a grin. I guess whatever lessons they are must be more interesting than your future at Eero. He figured quoting Bellstrom would get them. They were rich kids. Surely they'd been forced to read Bellstrom. To his horror, all eyes turned blankly to him. Not even a single chuckle. What do you know? A moron and a poet, yelled a boy by the name of Raywood. Of all the nice cloaks, his was clearly the nicest. Maybe you two should marry. You both reek to the high heavens, so you'll easily be able to stand one another's smells. The group burst out laughing. Whisper's face got hot. As he lowered his head, he saw Efer raise an eyebrow at him. She quieted the students and continued the lesson. She continued to explain the principles of magic. Everything blurred together, though. He understood each individual word. Nodestone, exchange, draw, bond. None of the words made a lick of sense combined, though. As he attempted to regain his focus, something stung the side of his face. He stood up. The group around him gasped. He noticed a small pebble fell off his cloak and onto the ground. The weapon. But who was the culprit? He glanced around and noticed the students closest to him 
were purposefully looking away from him. They seemed scared. That's when he noticed the dagger in his hand. He'd drawn it by reflex. He swore, sheathed it, and sat down. He hadn't sworn out loud, of course. He'd used a working sign, one of the few pieces of education that Jao provided himself or got some of the older scars to teach. Working signs are a complex set of hand signals that scars use to communicate with one another. They prove useful during any work that requires silence or when a conversation needs to be had and you don't want prying ears to listen. An understanding of working signs was needed before any scar could do proper work, and the punishment for revealing anything about them was severe. Whisper had also found that they worked great for being able to express copious amounts of anger without disturbing anyone. It was perfect for situations like this. He flashed a few more signs of frustration before trying to regain focus. He continued to feel distracted. He turned and noticed the girl named Tali was staring right at him. He was half expecting her to stick out her tongue or do something immature. She threw another pebble with perfect aim. He grabbed his eye and swore with a working sign. All right, that is enough information for now. I have now covered all the basics I wish you to understand. I know you all were not expecting the lessons to begin so soon, but they are important. For this, Ifair held up a large object. It was a rock that had multiple other rocks embedded in it with thin lines of color that trailed between them. No, not rocks. Node stones. Whisper had never seen one, but he recognized it. Most everyone on the continent would. The only one who didn't seem to know what it was was Tali, who appeared visibly confused but intrigued. How could she not know? This is something I carry with me everywhere. It is a monolith, though in name only. This drew a few chuckles. This is called a sacrum. A sacrum is small. Unlike a monolith that could hold a dozen powerful spells, a sacrum holds only two to three weak ones. This one holds two simple ones. And in two days' time, each of you will get to try these spells. Whisper felt his heart rate increase. He tried to hold back a grin. So soon. He thought he'd have to get to Eero before finally getting to try any sort of magic. His sentiment seemed to be shared. Excited conversations rippled through the students. Ivera put the sacrum down and raised her hand. The group quieted. But what of tomorrow? The day in between? The day of anticipation? Well, first I must glean each of your understandings of our craft. My method for this is unorthodox and involves a bit of competition. Tomorrow morning before departure, which will happen later in the day, we will have a quiz of sorts. It will be on some general knowledge that will be important, but also on concepts of magecraft and monoliths. If any of you have materials to study and prepare, I recommend you use them. And with that, Ifair turned and left. The excitement of the students bubbled over. Everyone except for Tali was excitedly talking to one another. Well, Tali and Whisper. Whisper tried to listen in on the different conversations, hoping to gain some information. All he found was sudden discouragement. My brother, he studied every day and night before he left, but even he didn't make the cut. Four years he studied at Eero only to become an attendant. Can you believe it? He serves a noble named Brilk. All he does is sit in the strong room all day and night and stare at the configuration, waiting for stones to crack or for configurations to be switched out. He spends most of his days down there mas- mastering the arts. Well, I could never do that. I'm going to be a mage. Whisper's scalp tingled. He walked around the group pretending to mind his own business, but still eavesdropping. It was Ray Vood, who was speaking so loudly that no subtlety was needed, who confirmed Whisper's fears. They do this with every batch of students. We can't all be mages, you know. Someone has to replace the node stones. Someone has to come help out with the new spells. Not all of you will get to be like me. A mage roving the lands, going on adventures. A kitchen doesn't run when everyone's a chef. And you think the consortium wants to wait until you all get to hear or decide which of you's a fit? No, they want to know now. Tomorrow is one of the most important steps to becoming a mage. 
Thank goodness my father has been preparing me for years. Whisper flashed a multitude of working signs for a multitude of quite colorful language. He apparently had until tomorrow evening to get ready. His stomach began to slowly sink, acid roiling. If he failed, what would he do? He needed to become a mage. He couldn't go back. He had to prepare. He was already the most disadvantaged person in the group, and now he had a new penalty. Whisper noticed that Tali was strolling away, whistling. Well, the second most disadvantaged person in the group. A plan. That's what he needed. He'd gotten himself out of worse situations before. He had to simply use his knowledge... The first thing he knew is that the group of students seemed to have already broken off into cliques. These cliques would probably study together. If he could get into a clique, he could access their materials, ask questions, and have allies. Whisper trailed a group that he guessed was Merchant's Children's. They were well-dressed, but not too well-dressed, and listened in on their conversation. Unfortunately, this only made him feel worse. He understood the very basics of node stones. Different stones had different effects on the world. Multiple stones used in tandem, called configurations, provided a wide array of powers that someone could summon at will. But what those effects were was an absolute mystery to Whisper. He knew stories of summoning fire, conjuring ice, trading illusions, but how? Deep Stone, he'd spent so much time reading, but Jal's rules had prevented him from ever learning anything from a mage's book. He knew so much useless knowledge, and on the few topics he needed to understand to become a mage, he was absolutely clueless. He felt a sudden burst of extreme embarrassment. How could he have been so stupid? He thought he was going to be a great mage, but yet he barely even understood what that meant. He stopped walking, letting the carts and people of the caravan slowly filter by him. He took a deep breath. Okay, he wasn't officially a Scar anymore, but that's all he knew. A Scar lived by Jal's rules. They'd always worked for Whisper in Caldell. Why couldn't they work here? Part of Jal's rules were unspoken, passed from Scar to Scar through example. These were more niche rules about rituals, who you were allowed to rob, who you weren't, where you spend your coins, etc. But Jal had specific rules that, along with the working signs, must be memorized. They were simple, but to a scar, they were law. 1. Protect to be protected. Others will have your back if you have theirs. 2. Survive, not thrive. Steal what you must and be smart about it. Don't steal something you do not need that endangers the scars. 3. Know your edge. Whether it be a street fight or a robbery, know what your edge is. If you don't have one, get out. 4. Always pet and be kind to a cat. They rule the streets. They know much and they see much. If you see a cat, carefully approach it, befriend it. It may lead you to treasure or to food. How you applied the rules was an individual art, but each scar used these rules diligently. If you did something that went well, you had damn well better be able to link it back to one of Jal's rules. You did something that went wrong, you'd better be able to explain which rule it was that you didn't follow that messed everything up. When one of the marauders had returned with an incredibly expensive bottle of liquor, when Jal had learned the delivery had been intended for a very powerful local noble, He had it returned with a note of apology and a gift. The thief in question was put on sewer duty for a month, which entailed looking for lost jewelry in the stagnant sewers of Caldale. This was his first and only time ever breaking a rule. Whisper decided to start with his edge. He just had to figure out what that was. He decided on something simple. He was well-read and he was smart. This may help him gain a clique's confidence, He tailed behind a few groups and would interject into their conversations with what was hopefully useful information. This was not well received. None of Whisper's knowledge was appreciated. All of the students only had their minds on tomorrow. He gave up, flashing multiple signs of frustration. So no edge. How could he protect? 
he approached a group of older-looking students who seemed to have paid their own way and tried to bluff that he had information on how Ravood's clique was preparing. After being asked a few questions, his own lack of understanding yet again betrayed him. He quickly ducked away as the group laughed at his expense. Deep stone, this was never going to work. He spied to Lee, strolling along by herself. A blue butterfly was perched on her finger. She stared at it curiously, and Whisper got the impression that preparing was the furthest thing from her mind. He flashed the sign for idiot. He paused and sighed. It was uncalled for. Though she was being an idiot, it was like she wasn't even trying. He flashed the sign for sorry to no one in particular. He began to reflect on his edge again. What else was he good at? He could simply tail the smartest group and listen? Hope for useful scraps? He attempted, but a lack of page or quill made the information hard to capture or retain. He did the sign for frustration so aggressively, his wrist began to dully ache. Still, though, he had no choice. He continued to follow and listen. That's when he noticed one of them had a book they had tucked in a pocket. It looked like a mage book. It probably was one they were using to study. He licked his lips. What would happen if he stole it? Would they notice? Would they care? He realized he had no idea of how wealthy some of these people were. Was stealing this book thriving, or was it surviving? He continued to eye it. He took a deep breath and reflected. He confronted the dull ache and void that he'd been ignoring. He was no longer a scar. He could do what he wanted. He took a step forward and reached out his hand. What are you doing? Whisper turned to Tali, who was now walking along quietly behind him. Her curious eyes oddly felt like they were burning into him. Surely that was his own agitation manifesting, though. He glanced awkwardly at the student ahead, who simply sneered back at Tali and him and increased their pace. Whisper's chance at surviving bounced away in the cloak pocket. None of your business, he said. Tali fell into step beside him. I don't care about your spying, she said. I just want to know what that is. Tali pointed at his hand. He realized he'd just been doing a working sign in frustration, and his blood went cold. She'd noticed. It's a, a nervous tick, he said. Interesting, but why the different styles? I've counted four distinct. There was a commotion ahead as a cart of some sort had a wheel come loose. There was shouting and noise. Whisper quickly slipped away underneath the wagon and hopped on the other side, effectively disappearing. He heard a confused sound from the other side, and Tilly's feet scurry off. He was glad to be rid of her. He was annoyed. Annoyed that she'd stopped him and annoyed that she'd noticed the signs. If Jal found out, the void returned. It didn't matter now, did it? The sun had reached its apex and was now swinging down. He'd wasted so much of the day and accomplished so little. He groaned. All these years studying, learning from books and he was going to lose his chance to become a mage during the one period he should be excelling. Bitterness made its first appearance. He'd listened to Jal for all these years. Jal, the man who sent him away, banished him for one mistake. A mistake made out of kindness. Of all the time Whisper had spent reading, he'd never had the chance to read about configurations, monoliths. <sighs> Whisper appreciated the tools that Jal had taught him, the fact he'd be dead if not for the aged thief, but Jal's rules sure weren't working now. That's when Whisper noticed a brown tabby that sat atop a wagon. It sniffed the air, rolled over on its side, and all in all seemed quite comfortable hitching a ride aboard the caravan. Where had it come from? Possibly it had hopped aboard during their morning loading. It gracefully leapt from the top of the wagon to the steps down below and quickly scurried under the wheels of the wagon before hopping onto the next one in front of it. No, this cat was used to riding in a caravan. The cat lazed over the top of the cart and dangled its paws down. It continued to eye the cart behind it. Whisper noticed that it was some sort of a merchant vessel, and dried fish were hanging off the side. He chuckled. The driver was clearly dozing in the warm sun, so Whisper only had to walk close, quickly grab a piece of fish, and walk away. The cat eyed Whisper, or more so the fish, hungrily as he walked over. He held it out, and the cat hopped down. It took the fish. As Whisper reached out to pet the cat, it was already scampering away. 
Needing a distraction and having nothing else to do, he followed the animal, curious about where it was retreating with its prize. The answer was surprisingly close at hand. Whisper followed the cat a few cart lengths up before it disappeared into a carriage with a small swinging door installed at the base. He turned to walk away, but stopped. He couldn't help himself. He turned back and listened for movement or voices inside, and then peeked in the window. This was obviously one of the more common transport carriages. The fact it was not in the more well-to-do section of the caravan, like Efer, was interesting. The inside was filled with shelves, vials, and books. Possibly a mage's cart. Whisper spied the cat, lounging on a counter with a still of some sort and a pile of books. It made eye contact with Whisper and continued to clean itself. As Whisper watched the cat, his eyes fell to the item it was resting on. It was an incredibly worn book. The spine read the basics of configurations and the works of stone on the natural world. Whisper was flabbergasted and couldn't help but grin like a fool. So maybe Jal's rules did work, but in order for it to pay off, Whisper had to once again break one of the most important rules. The theft was simple enough. The biggest question was where to hide the book. It was big. Whisper was traveling light. He had essentially only his bedroll, so he had no good spot to tuck away his ill-gotten gain. It was risky, but he had to do this. He had to study. The book was an easy mark, judging by its condition. The dust on the side and the cat resting on it gave it a certain air of forgotten-ish. The owner simply didn't care. It was unlikely that it would ever be missed. He had considered simply waiting and asking the owner to borrow it or even loan it. The problem with that was that if the offer was declined, the advantage of neglect disappeared. And what then? The entire day was wasted. Whisper could already see himself sequestered to a small stone room, watching a monolith dreary-eyed, wishing Zhao would take him back. No, he was going to be a mage. It was while he was staking out the carriage that Tali made yet another appearance. She appeared suddenly and fell into step beside him. He ignored her, despite the fact that she was staring directly at him. Ah, but wait, this could be a benefit. If he engaged, he would look less suspicious. Hello, he said, meeting her gaze. Why do you do that? She asked. This again. It's nothing, he said. It can't be. There's a pattern. There is this one, and this one, and this one, and this. She went through a series of curse words that Whisper had used over the day. He was shocked. Some of the working signs she showed he didn't even remember using, but she knew them all. How did she remember so many? Whisper tried to keep a straight face as her inquisitive eyes burned into him yet again. At first, he completely discounted telling her anything, but then another thought rolled across his mind. She'd memorized the signs when she seemed incapable of doing anything else. She'd specifically sought him out and asked him about the signs. It was highly likely that she was not going to leave him alone until he gave her something, and he was no longer a scar, so there was no point in lying. He took a deep breath. It's, uh, words, really. What words? Whisper shrugged. Just normal words, like the ones we're using right now. Yes, I understand. What ones? Well, they are... Well, to be honest, I'm not going to tell you those words. Why? She raised an eyebrow. Because... Whisper bit his tongue in frustration. Well, how would you feel if people could read your thoughts? I wouldn't really give a shit. Uh, is that one of the words? Whisper ignored the quip. I doubt you actually would. In fact, tell me what you're thinking right now. I truly wouldn't. In fact, all the priests and slates at Grain Hill think I don't even have any. Thoughts, that is. And I think you're odd and very possibly poor. That's my thought. She hadn't even hesitated. Whisper frowned, processing the bundle of information that she had just thrown at him. She didn't seem to realize that what she'd said was insulting. Or she didn't care. She kept pressing. Well, if you can't teach me those words, why not some other words? I would love to learn. Whisper sighed and started the lesson. He went through basic words, showing the different signs and motions and teaching the words related. He was surprised to find that he very quickly ran out of common words. He taught her the signs for a few animals, colors, and finally, the swear words, in which she was the most interested. He avoided any that were distinctly rogue-like. The owner of the carriage, 
an elderly looking mage who walked crooked and had a crooked smile, returned. Whisper told to leave, the lesson was over. She turned and without a word, simply walked away. Whisper shook his head and she thought he was odd. Now, hopefully, he'd be able to enact his plan undisturbed. This sort of stealing had never exactly been Whisper's strength. He was more so the strategy type. He often laid out the plan for the other more nimble or physical scars to pull off. But Jao required that every scar get their hands dirty from time to time. So he did have some experience. Getting another fish was easy. He then strolled behind a cart filled with various vegetables and sacks of grain. He sliced a bag of grain and let its contents spill out. He then put the sack into his cloak. He now returned to the carriage of his mark and held out the small fish. The cat quickly appeared through the small door and trotted to Whisper. It munched on the fish while Whisper scratched it on the head. Finally, he picked the cat up and marched towards its home. He put on his best angry face and knocked on the door in a quick staccato. It opened. The mage glared at the dirty boy, then the cat, then the sack. His lips curled into a strange sneer. If you seek a reward, no, that won't work. He isn't lost. Reward? Whisper shouted. I don't want a reward. I want you to conjure a whole sack of moonwild grain out of the air. Can you do that? Whisper went into a tirade. He rambled about the quality of the grain and the price. During the rant, he let slip that the grain was being sent to Oceanwall to help with a meal for a cardinal. The mage's face paled. Moments later, Whisper was inside the cart as the mage searched for his coin. While the mage was distracted, Whisper glanced at the shelf above the desk, grabbed a similar-sized book to the one he was after, and placed it on the counter. He deftly slid the basics of configurations and the works of stone in the natural world into the grain sack he was holding just as the mage turned around. And that was that. Whisper had retrieved the book and gotten himself a few coins. He felt almost lightheaded with joy. He had to tell. He stopped, and a strange feeling washed over him. He suddenly felt so... incredibly alone. He stood as carts rolled by. The feeling ended, but it left a hole. A wound. It no longer hurt, but it did not feel good. Just numb. Numb he could work with. That, at least, should let him study. He found a large carriage with a flat surface he was able to lay on, and a lip that hid him from eyes down below. He lay and read, The power of the configurations is its stones. Although there are many technical names for the stones and the form each stone takes, we will, for simplicity, call them only stones. Okay. The effects of color. Red controls heat, also called energy by some. Purple controls illusions. Brown controls earth and stone. Blue controls water. Pink works near universally, but has the weakest exchange of all. Orange is a strange one, for it is the link to the natural world. There was a large bump that caused Whisper to lose his place. He realized that he had retained very little of what he had just read. He tried again. And again. And again. By the time the caravan stopped for the evening, he had learned almost nothing. He ate and resumed his studying beneath a small apple tree. He reviewed what he remembered, which wasn't much. Different colored stones had different effects on the world. You could call on the stones by bonding to a configuration. Calling on the power used up some of your own energy, and that was called exchange. Ah, yes. He started reading there. This section actually gave him hope. It had a mathematical formula describing distance from a monolith and the exchange needed to draw on its power. Math, he understood. But his heart sank when he noticed a slight error in the math. No, it couldn't be. This book must be out of date. He quickly scratched out the formula in the dirt and confirmed that it could indeed be much more simplified and improved. He sighed, closed the book, and put his head into his hands. He tried not to cry. It didn't work. The morning came far too slowly, and then far too quickly. Whisper got up and made another attempt at studying in the early sun and dew. He decided that even out-of-date information was better than nothing. He continued over a small breakfast in the tavern. Pages and words blurred together, 
and each new attempt seemed more useless than the last. He set the book on a stump beside where he was sitting and stood to stretch his legs. He noticed Tully examining the small cobwebs that had collected the morning dew, but it wasn't just cobwebs. He jumped when he saw the spider perched atop her hand. Ravood and his gang stood nearby, both delighted and disgusted by the display. Tully, as always, either didn't notice or didn't care. Ravood started towards Tully, but before he could do anything, Whisper stepped beside her. He didn't know why, he just did. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw Ravud frown, annoyed his witty jest was being blocked. Tilly looked up at Whisper and said nothing, but Whisper noticed her free hand quickly move. The movement was familiar. It took Whisper a moment to think about it, but he realized that it felt like... It felt like home. It was a working sign for greetings. He instinctively signaled back, and for the first time ever, he saw Tilly smile. It was fleeting, only a quick movement of her lips, but it was there. Good morning, Whisper said. What do you want? Tilly asked, looking back at the spider crawling up her arm. Whisper shrugged. He saw Ravud inching closer. The boy was not interested in abandoning whatever jest he had in store. Maybe we could go somewhere and study? He asked, the first thing he could think of. I'm not interested in boys. What? Oh. Oh, no, no, I seriously meant I just... I... Well, if that's what you're worried about, you don't have to be, because I am. You're worried? Oh, no, interested in boys. Whisper nodded. Okay, good for you, Tilly responded, and returned to the creature on her hand. Ravud was quick to swoop in, having now found the perfect quip. She seems more so interested in spiders. The group burst out laughing. It could have been the dull ache, the fact Tali felt like the closest thing to a friend Whisper had, or that Whisper was just fed up with Ravud. But for some reason, his hand quickly reached for his dagger. Tali's tongue was quicker. No, more interested in nothing. But spiders are fascinating. Here, take a look. Ravud shrieked and jumped back as Tali flicked her hand and something flew over, striking him in the face. A pebble harmlessly fell to the ground. Whisper burst out laughing as Ravud and his group retreated. I can't wait to have you change the stones on my configurations, Ravud shouted back. But Tali was no longer paying attention. She was yet again focused on the spider, which was descending back to its web. Are you going to study? Whisper asked. What's the point? The test is going to happen shortly. I'd rather prepare. Right, Whisper said, scratching his head. And the difference? Well, I'm trying to focus on something I like to distract myself from the nerves. That makes sense, actually. Do you mind if I join you? Greatly, but I won't stop you. She paused and seemed to study him. We can't be friends, you know. Whisper wasn't sure how to respond to this. He actually felt a little bit hurt. He simply used the working sign for agree. Tilly nodded and returned her gaze to the spider. Whisper joined her and watched the spider spin its web. It was relaxing. The time flew past, and next thing he knew, the group was gathering to prepare for the quiz. The effect quickly wore off. Whisper's anxiety returned in waves. There was no laughter today as the students congregated. Everyone was nervous, on edge. The notion that their future was about to be decided hung over the group like a dark fog. Ifair arrived and greeted the students. She then began a second louder greeting. Whisper looked behind him and his heart sank. A sizable crowd had formed around the outskirts. A few dozen travelers mixed with wardens, mages, and even a slate with a red robe stood along the edges. Obviously, this was their only entertainment. Ifair finished her greetings and began to explain the rules of the competition. I will call two of you up at a time. I will ask a question... First to answer correctly receives points. Each of you will be called up multiple times. The most points wins. Do you have any questions? What will my reward be for having the highest points? Tilly asked. The students burst out laughing. Well, the main one is this. The one with the highest points will be the first one to try out the sacrum, and the one with the lowest points will be the last. Whisper swallowed. And then there was all that other stuff she neglected to mention. It began. 
Any ounce of hope that Whisper had was quickly discarded. Every question felt foreign to him. When it was his turn, his legs wobbled, his stomach roiled. A girl named Denna, one of Ravud's friends, was his opponent. She stood across from him, exuding the smug confidence of someone who had been studying magic since infancy. Ifair asked their question. When attempting to lower temperature of water with a contact-style device, you should use which stones connected with which conduit. Whisper had no idea. He tried to recall the stones. Blue affected water, right? But what conductor? Orange affected the real world. He looked at Denna and saw a pained expression on her face. She didn't know. He felt a moment of hope, but it was quickly dashed. He didn't know either, so what good was it going to do him? Actually, this was way worse. Now the awkward silence was dragging on as everyone stared at him. Something caught Whisper's eye, movement in his peripheral vision. He looked. It was Tali. Her face was in its normal, calm state, but her hands. She was constantly moving one of her hands, repeating two positions over and over. Working signs. She was signaling red, pink, red, pink. Whisper felt a moment of pity. He appreciated her trying to help, but she was obviously wrong. Red was for heat. This had to be something for cooling. Denna interrupted his thought. Blue for stone and white for the conduit? Ifair shook her head. Does anyone else know? Red and pink. Ifair smiled. Very good to thee. And how did you figure that out? All eyes turned to the girl, who was currently swiveled around, watching wardens repair a cart's wheel. Hmm, she said, turning back to Facey Fair. Lucky guess, Ravud shouted. She won't even know the difference between a conduit and a sauce. A burst of laughter. And you do know, Ravud, Ifair asked. Oh, red makes it so hot it circles around and starts at the bottom again. Very clever. Well, if you are so confident, I guess this will be an easy point for you. Tali? Ravud? The two walked up to the front, Ravud grinning and Tali seeming absorbed in something far away. As Whisper passed her on the way back to his spot on the grass, he noticed she was mumbling to herself. Red is for transfer of energy. Applying energy will create heat, but it can also subtract it, like the sun setting in the sky. Ravud clearly heard her too, because his face went from grinning to confused to worried. The round was quick. Tilly seemed to barely even listen to the question, but effortlessly rattled off an answer while Ravud sputtered. Ifair confirmed it was correct, and Tilly slowly glided back to her seat. The next hour was brutal. When a student got a question right, the onlookers clapped politely. One mage, with a large black hat and a messy beard, would jump up and down and cheer sometimes. Whisper did not have the luxury of ever hearing a single clap for himself. He didn't answer one question right. After each, he would walk back to his seat, put his head in his hands, and try to block out his glowing cheeks and red eyes. It was on the last question that he was called up for that he caught a break. The distance a mage is from their configuration will drastically affect the amount of exchange used. Given this fact, what is the formula for calculating the exchange of a mage in relation to distance? Whisper's heart thumped in his chest. This was the formula, the one thing he'd remembered. He quickly rattled it off. He was watching the mage in the black hat, waiting for a cheer for a whistle. Instead, he noticed that the mage looked flabbergasted. His face went ashen and he seemed shocked. Whisper looked up at Ifair. No. What? But that can't be. It's wrong. Whisper just barely heard the answer from the other student and instantly realized his mistake. He'd said the wrong formula. He totally forgotten that he had changed the formula, rewritten it. He'd said his version. Idiot. Who was he to think that he could change a formula that had been used for probably a hundred years? That math was obviously correct. It was him who was wrong. He walked back to his seat and sat down. The rest of the competition was swift. 
It came down to Tali and Revud. Revud didn't stand a chance. He tried to stammer out an answer quicker than Tali, but his words came out jumbled and wrong. Tali took the win, and the crowd cheered politely. Whisper groaned. He'd been so wrong. Here he'd thought he was at least better than Tali, but she was the best of them all. He truly was the bottom of the barrel. Ifair, in her usual method, quieted the students in the crowd with a wave of her hand. Tali, as your reward, you will be the first to attempt to bond to my sacrum tomorrow. Revud will follow. Fellow caravan travelers, thank you all for watching. You may join us in two days' time before the wall departure for another competition. You are all dismissed. Whisper got up and walked over to Tali, who was still seated and trying to weave a few pieces of grass together. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you. And, and well done. Tilly stood and dusted herself off. We have to look out for each other. Right. Wait, what? Whisper cocked his head to the side. I thought you didn't want a friend. I don't. I do want us to start out even, though. Okay. Well, based off of those results, we are far from even. Tilly now cocked her head. Well, now that's no fun. I think we are at least a little even. You have those hand signs. Those are useful. Right, Whisper mumbled. I'm so confused. So let's go to the beginning. Why can't we be friends? Tilly looked up and gave a mischievous grin. Because we're rivals. Do you think I could be rivals with one of them? They grew up in lavish manners. They had tutors. They are boring. You're not. Your eyes drink color. Your ears swivel. Your brain churns. You're a prime rival. I've never been able to keep a friend, but I figure there's motivation to a rival. I've always wanted a rival. Well, I don't think you're going to get much motivation with me as your rival. Weren't you listening? You have to. If I'm going to be the greatest mage, I need someone to push me. That has to be a rival. Don't worry. That means that you will be a number two. That's something to be proud of. Whisper was at a loss for words, and then he realized he was smiling. The dull ache receded. The void was not gone, but a distant shore was spotted. Well, if I have to be your rival, then you need to return the favor of me teaching you all those hand signals. How on earth did you do so well just now? Did you read all that? Tilly laughed, a strangely flat but sincere laugh. The teachers at Greenhill call it my curse. My head is filled with shelves that reach to the stars, and I can just fill them with images, words, and stories. Accessing them, however, takes motivation. Motivation provided by arrival. Whisper was still confused, but he took it that she just had a good memory. Fascinating. Well, Rival, bearing in mind I know you have eyes only for spiders, perhaps we should take our meals together sometime. You know, so you can keep an eye on me, ensure that I don't excel too much. Tilly looked at him, obviously deep in thought. Yes, but only some meals. The shore grew nearer. Okay, Whisper responded. He began to say something else, but was swiftly interrupted. Hello, both. My name is Ricky Slar of the Third. Tilly, do you mind if I steal your newly minted rival for a wee moment? Whisper turned to see the mage with the black hat and gray beard. The mage smiled weakly. I don't like that you know my name, Tilly said. Ricky Slar raised an eyebrow. Oh, is that your name? I had just guessed. It would seem I'm just lucky, he said as he gently pulled Whisper aside. When they were slightly out of earshot, his eyes flicked to whispers. Where did you get that formula? From from the book. From the basics of configurations in the works of stone in the natural world. No, the one you said out loud. Where did you get that? Oh, Whisper blushed, realizing that messing up such an important formula probably annoyed some of the higher mages. That was an accident, I, I swear. I saw the formula in the book while I was reading yesterday and I thought there was an error. I tried to fix it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mess it up. 
Ricky Slar's hand fell to his side and seemed to almost by its own volition dart into his robe and pull out a pipe. There was a flash of light and the pipe seemed to light itself. Red yesterday, you say? Hmm, he mumbled, his eyes far off and greasy blue smoke tumbling from his mouth. You're one of the Meiji Fair students, no? Oh, uh, uh yes. I see. Very well. Uh, very well, Ricky Slar said, suddenly seeming to snap out of his daze with a grin. A simple error. All is forgiven. Oh, yes. Also, give this. He retrieved a small pouch from his cloak and tossed it to Whisper. To your rival, a take of the pot. She will most likely be confused. Tell her it's a gift. Whisper looked down at the pouch. It was coins. He looked back at Ricky Slar. What is this? He asked. I already said, I'm lucky. And when you come across a stroke of luck, you have to know how to capitalize. How had this mage known that Whisper was one of Efer's hand-picked students? Whisper and Efer had discussed the arrangement that Whisper was not like the other students and Efer was personally paying for his travel and tuition. The only other student who probably had such a condition was Tali. He was clearly a mage of the die. Whisper studied him, and the last piece fell into place. He'd known Tali's name. The part of Whisper's mind that was trained to take advantage of situations took hold. Oh, I'll give it to her. And where's mine? Ricky Slar pulled the pipe from his mouth and raised an eyebrow. Your what? Payment. The mage's brow furrowed. For what exactly? For not telling ye fair that she was tricked into telling you that Tilly has an incredible memory. A useless piece of information. Unless you know that bored travelers might watch our quiz. And as long as you're bored and watching, why not make things interesting? I could be wrong, of course. You are lucky after all. A second bag sailed to the air and Whisper caught it. Ricky Slar blew out a smoke ring and grinned. And I hope to keep it that way. Not a word, yes? Not a word, Whisper responded. The mage turned to leave, but paused. If you ever feel the need to leave Efer's nest and learn to fly on your own, come to the house of the die. Tell them Ricky Slar sent you. And with that, he was gone. The void was closing, the sunny shore coming closer. What a nice thing for the mage to say. The feeling vanished when Whisper saw the look on Efer's face as she stormed towards him, pulling Tilly closely behind her. The mage's face was a contorted collage of rage and veins. You too. You have some explaining to do. Tilly, I told you to get some wrong. Tilly looked at Efer, tapped her chin as though in thought, and said, I didn't want to. Efer let out an exasperated sigh, and Whisper had to hold back a chuckle. Tilly also began to chuckle. Efer's piercing gaze swept to Whisper, and he felt like every hair on his body froze and snapped off. Don't encourage her. And you. I know, I could have studied harder, but I only had so much time. You think I'm mad about studying? I knew you would struggle. I'm mad about this. Efer reached into her cloak and retrieved an item. Whisper now felt like every limb of his body was going to fall off. The book. The book. He'd left it on the stump. Oh, abyss. How stupid of him. He stammered and attempted to speak. I I'm sorry, he said finally. Thank Deepstone you found it. Oh, but I didn't. He did. She pointed. Whisper turned and looked. His chest went tight and his arms felt numb. Efer was pointing at a man dressed in a red robe who seemed to be attempting to calm a woman dressed in a green robe. The slate. The void grew and swallowed him and his future. He'd stolen a book from a mage and gotten caught by a slate. Jal had been right. The man was always right. Efer paused and took a deep breath and pulled both of them farther away from listening ears. Listen, you are both unique. 
I have brought both of you here at great risk to myself, but also great risk to each of you, you understand? I think you are able to handle this risk, but we must work together. You must listen to me, and in return, I will listen to you. So listen to me now when I tell you we cannot attract any more attention from the slate. Do you understand? Whisper and Lee both nodded. Ifair sighed and stepped back, folding her arms. Now, thankfully, the slate in red is interesting. He has agreed to say nothing, though I'm not sure what he expects. But be aware. Avoid them both. But the one in green especially, her name is Lyrian. Do not talk to Lyrian, either of you. Whisper and Tali nodded again. Ifair dismissed Tali but made Whisper stay. She took a moment to collect her thoughts. Whisper, It was not I who found you, but your teacher Jal. He sought me out. I know, Whisper said, dejected. I broke his rules and he kicked me out. And now I've broken yours. I'm sorry I stole a book. I promise it won't happen again. Ifair smiled, a thin, knowing smile. You are mistaken on many levels. He did not kick you out. In you, he saw an earnestness, a desire that could not be contained. He knew you wouldn't be bound by his rules, Whisper. He didn't send you away because you broke his rules. He sent you away because he knew his rules would hold you back. And if they held you back, you would eventually resent them. And if you resented them, you would resent him. His rules were offense to contain sheep. You are not a sheep, Whisper. You are a fox. He wanted me to wait to tell you. He wanted to ensure you wouldn't feel the need to return out of loyalty. Whisper, I also see this potential in you, and I hope you will stay. Whisper's eyes welled up for what felt like the fifth time that day, and this time it wasn't connected to crushing embarrassment. I'll stay, Whisper responded. I'm glad. And as for the book, I'm not upset that you stole a book. I am, however, quite upset that you got caught. Ifair paused and grinned. In the future, you're going to need to be much more careful. Thank you for listening. Everything you hear in this show is created by me, Adam Ganong. Every word written, every note played. If the work I am doing here has brought you some joy, some comfort, some entertainment, please consider supporting a solo creator on Patreon. Link to that is in the show notes down below. The Stone Singer Chronicles art is by Peter Bartel. Thank you, Peter. There is a link to his website in the show notes. A special thanks to my wife, Jenna Noor, and my friend, Destructobot. Join the Stonesinger Chronicles Discord to get extra information about the show and officially earn your rank as the Mage of the Third Bond. Again, link to that in the show notes down below. All right, and until next time.